Major funding for Telehell is provided by Podgo, the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. By RetroCirc on YouTube. RetroCirc, spelt with a Q at the end, is a place where nostalgia is the main attraction. Check out their newest downloads every Wednesday and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. RetroCirc, where nostalgia is the main attraction. By Dave's Archives on YouTube, where they preserve classic commercials from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and share them with you, the adoring YouTube public. Don't forget to follow them on Facebook and on Instagram at Dave's Archives. And by the continued financial support of patrons like you at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash telehealthpodcast, including Mr. Cheeseball, Rick Kolacki Jr., Peter Melnick, and Neil Weinstein. Thank you. When we started this program what seemed like several eternities ago, the first subject that we took down was a game show. Not just any game show, but one that would go on to be the benchmark for television failures until the next failure came along. I'm telling you, friends, that I've seen bombs in my day. (laughs) This would make the H-bomb look like a two-inch salute. Five episodes later, we talked about another game show that pretty much went out of its way to not only highlight how desperate people can be for thousands of dollars, but also go out of its way to showcase the absolute worst of humanity. Do you think you're a good person? Honestly, I think I am a good person. False. For reasons I can only attribute to schadenfreude, our review of The Moment of Truth has remained our most listened to episode of Telehell to date. And I'm not sure whether to say thanks for the clicks or try and round up every single person who downloaded it for an intense psychiatric evaluation. Nevertheless, It seems as though game shows and torture are the two things that help keep the fires burning down here. And who am I to disappoint an audience? You want game shows? You want torture? Swallow this. Now, Carrie, I saw your face in that box before I unleashed those cockroaches on top of you. You looked scared. Then when they fell, you looked like you wanted to get the hell out of California. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And now, it sure beats going to the DMV. This is Tele-Hell. This story not only begins with one of the more underappreciated figures in TV history, but with an entirely different form of media altogether. Hello, this is Ralph Edwards. Through the years, I've learned that everyday people can do some remarkable things. One of the earliest pioneers of broadcasting was one Mr. Ralph Edwards, a talent who worked in the days of old-time radio back when itself was just starting out. After working at various stations across the country, Edwards found himself in New York City working for both CBS and NBC Radio for a period of time. It was during his tenure at NBC that Edwards created the first major success of his career, a radio game show where contestants performed ridiculous stunts in order to win cash and prizes. 
And although in hindsight it sounded like a strange idea for an audible medium to take on a show with an obvious visual element, the audience ate it up anyway. And thus, Truth or Consequences was born. The show became one of the more popular game shows to air on the NBC radio network, if not on radio in general. So popular would this show be that on the 10th anniversary of the program, Edwards stated that he would broadcast an episode of the show live from any town in America that was willing to legally change its town name to Truth or Consequences. A small town in the Southwest took up that challenge, and that's why to this day, there's a Truth or Consequences New Mexico. Eventually, radio gave way to television, and Truth or Consequences came along for the ride. But with the success of this show, as well as his other major success in the form of This Is Your Life, Ralph Edwards decided to step away from the hosting duties of Truth or Consequences in the mid-1950s. After a brief two-year period where the show was hosted by actor Jack Bailey, the reins were then given to an up-and-coming youngster in the industry who, not unlike Ralph Edwards, paid his dues in radio. And thanks to him hosting the show, it did nothing but eventually launch what would become a 50-year-long career for this man. Remember this name, you're going to be hearing a lot about him. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bob Barker. Here's Bob! Yep, yep, he's ready, relax, that's I, good. Nice I, to have, huh? I feel like I had Perry O'Brien's shot put, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice to have you aboard, Bob. Believe me, it, it's, a, it's a thrill and an honor for me to be here, Ralph. We all know what happened to Bob Barker afterwards. After nearly 20 years of hosting the show both on NBC and in syndication, Barker then made the move to The Price is Right on CBS. The rest is history while Truth or Consequences would eventually become history by 1975. But it wouldn't be the last time we'd get to hear the sound of Beulah the Buzzer. As is the case with many successes, Truth or Consequences would see a comeback or two. First in 1977, when the show was hosted by a different Bob, veteran game show announcer and sometime host, Bob Hilton. Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be any footage of that available in Hell's Gift Shop, which is just as well since the show only lasted one season anyway. The next attempt to bring back Truth or Consequences happened during the 1987 syndication season, and since Bob Barker was too busy with The Price is Right, and Ralph Edwards was both nearing retirement and overseeing production of The People's Court, the task of hosting the show fell into the capable hands of comedian Larry Anderson. I said Larry Anderson, not Harry. Though if it was Harry, at least this version of the show would be a lot better than what that product turned out to be. And are you ready for this question? What is the major use of cowhide? <laughs> the major use of cowhide is to hold a cow together, actually. That's the... Then, as is the case with most forms of media, game shows in general experienced a period of stagnation from the late 1980s through most of the 1990s. Daytime or nighttime, people would rather have been interested in trashy talk shows or repetitive court shows, with the exception of such stalwarts as Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, and The Price is Right, plus a few random pop-ups on cable. It looked as though the game show format would remain in a vegetative state for the foreseeable future. But then came the summer of 1999, and the arrival of a magic bullet.
We've stated in no uncertain terms that the arrival of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire acted as an EpiPen to the game show format. The show was a ratings juggernaut that not only brought game shows out of its coma, but the ABC network as well, which had not seen number one ratings since the early 1980s by that point. And, as is the case with Lightning in a Bottle, TV producers were never too eager to try and come up with their own versions of Millionaire, hopefully different enough so that nobody winds up filing a lawsuit. Try as they may, the networks each had concepts that were born, tried, and died. And out of all of them, nobody tried hard and failed harder, like the Fox network at the turn of the century. Already regarded as a primal breeding ground for reality TV, the Fox Network's adolescence was as much painful as it was rebellious. And in spite of how unconventional their offerings were back then, at least some of them had effort without pandering to the lowest common denominator. You'd have to wait a few years for that to happen on a completely different network. The NBC Monday. We call this one the human catapult. The rat pit. The water torture cell. You will be up there. You're gonna jump from the 12th floor. You'll be covered by two dozen snakes. Six young people will compete against their fears and against each other. I think she might start to cry. Fear Factor World Premiere at NBC Monday. If you want, you can come back in. Shut up, Joe! Not too long after Millionaire resurrected game shows, NBC decided to play Dr. Frankenstein with the format with the somehow long-running Fear Factor. Only instead of questions, answers, and big money, the big money would be earned through a series of stunts and challenges that would push people to their limits. Whether the stunt was physical. As the truck is moving, you must chase it down and hop into the back so that you can rip open barrels and release as many flags as possible before the truck crashes into the live ammo dump. Psychological. You will alternate dunking down into that tank of cow's blood, retrieving a cow heart, and then stuffing it into your partner's mouth, who will then attempt to spit it into that box. Or something that would instantly turn the average TV viewer into an anorexic. You are gonna have to eat two buffalo testicles. For five seasons plus two revival years, Fear Factor amped up what a game show could be. What started as a harmless format involving questions, answers, and the occasional silly activity would then morph itself into a format where people were willing to go to extreme lengths just to win a buck and be on TV, no matter how humiliating it would be. And not unlike Millionaire, Fear Factor itself would have its biggest success realized when it too had its own series of imitators trying to grab a piece of the action. And not unlike the quiz show clones, the stunt shows themselves were also born, tried, and died. Which circles us back to the Fox Network and a long overdue visit to our deputy patron saint. Even though there's no I in team, it's pretty hard not to credit just one person when it comes to certain successes. Mike Darnell, the former reality TV czar at the Fox Network, and currently for Warner Brothers Television, probably did more for the unscripted TV format than anybody did either in this century or the last. Granted, for every good show that he greenlit, there was usually a not-so-good one right on its tail. And yet, people still tuned in to the stuff that he put on the air anyway. From game shows to dating shows, fake millionaires to footage of police chases. No matter how you feel about the reality TV format today, 
it probably wouldn't see half the success it would eventually attain were it not for Mike Darnell and the Fox Network leading the way. At the peak of his tenure, Darnell felt it was time to try and take down Fear Factor on NBC, and to pull it off, he would need to dig a little deep. After all, Fear Factor wasn't the first, nor would it be the last game show on television to involve stunts. Just a decade earlier, Nickelodeon practically monopolized the format thanks to its collection of games. And lest we forget, there was also Beat the Clock, which added an element of time on top of the humility. That only left one option. By the development year of 2003, the rights to Truth or Consequences became a joint ownership between its still-alive-at-the-time creator, Ralph Edwards, and an up-and-coming monolith in the game show industry, Fremantle Media. Both production companies and the Fox Network would get together to come up with the next generation of a TV classic in the hopes that it would land on the network's schedule sometime in the year 2004. Would the gambit work? Before we answer that, I want to play two clips for you. This is what an average stunt on the original Truth or Consequences sounds like. I ask you this question. If you answer it correctly, you win a whole raft of prizes. If you do not give me the correct answer, then you must pay the consequences. You understand? Yes. All right. You can talk it over with them. Here's your question. What do you call a guy who crossed the ocean twice without taking a bath? Did you know you had a run in your hose? Oh, yes. I run all the time. No, uh, no really, you have a terrible run. Is that right down right? here. Mm-hmm. On the buzzer. Oh, the buzzer. You didn't answer. And this, unfortunately, is what kept people tuning in to Fear Factor for five years. Oh, boy! Buffalo testicles! Stay tuned to what I will generously call a predictable merging of the two formats. After the break. The race is on to watch Truth or Consequences. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Where you can discover your husband's secret talent. Was he gorgeous or what? Or be a part of touching family reunions. This is eight years and three days since we've seen each other. And even take the plunge to win big prizes. Anything can happen. So for a smashingly good time, drop on in and strike up the band for Truth or Consequences. Weeknights at 6.30, only on Channel 2. This week on Telehell's Premium Content of the Dan. I like having fun. I'm having fun. This is great. <laughs> this is great. I, I just don't want to watch the Paul Reiser episode again, I guess. It's almost like we're in some sort of Telehell. Oh. <laughs> I may get to save that line for future imaging. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for that. The only way to listen to Telehell's premium content of The Damned is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. For just a few bucks a month, you can listen to our premium content and get some swag along the way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash podcast. And now... Back to this week's torture. Before we continue, we're not sure whether to thank or to punish legendary game show host Wink Martindale and his YouTube channel for posting this show in the first place. 
One thing's for certain. The fact that this even exists makes this as much an easier job to do as it's going to be hard to sit through. Also, since this show never officially aired, it's impossible to give this an air date. Which also means two things. First, play the song. We bring you the pilots that crashed. And second, we have to be vague with our history notes. The year 2003. The nation's second war with Iraq was just at the beginning of being seemingly never-ending. Friends and Frasier were at the beginning of what turned out to be their final seasons. And at an indeterminate time, somewhere in Los Angeles, we're reintroduced to a light-hearted game show classic with a tease of something that's decidedly not for the faint of heart. The couple with the shortest time underwater would be eliminated. After 46 seconds, Jessica and Gil couldn't take it anymore. But Carrie and Morgan held their fiancés down for nearly two minutes. They will now compete for a chance at the ultimate consequence and $50,000. And it's all downhill from here. I mean, really, how in the here can you top attempted yet supervised spousal drowning for an encore? You'd have to bury somebody in bugs, take on a sumo wrestler, get buried by even more bugs, rip pieces of tape off your hairy arms, and strip naked just to appeal even lower than the lowest common denominator. But since I'll innocently doubt that any of this is going to happen, yeah right, let's talk about the show's host. In the grand tradition of MCs like Ralph Edwards, Jack Bailey, Bob Barker, Bob Hilton, and Larry Anderson, enter sportscaster Chris Rose, who is definitely a serviceable and affable commentator now for the NFL Network and BattleBots on the Discovery Channel. But back in 2003, he's not quite professional, but you know he's on his way. And that's just about the only kind thing I'm gonna say about this show. Hey everybody, and welcome to Truth or Consequences. Now, I'm sure you recognize the name, but you have never, ever seen any consequences quite like this. Come on, follow me, I'll show you what I mean. Except, of course, on the very TV show that this is trying to be a shameless clone of. But hopefully this can be judged on its own merits, as Rose calls upon our first victim. Mike, look, you got to get in there, grab all the flags in 45 seconds for $500, but then be careful because kangaroos can be dangerous. A kangaroo. This poor schmuck is trying to win $500 by pulling the flags off a kangaroo while it's attacking him. Well, it is the Fox Network. They probably would have stopped existing in the 90s were it not for various TV shows when animals attack. But that was amateur video. This is being done in front of a live and, dare I say, dare, dare. bloodthirsty studio audience, who's probably spooking the kangaroo thanks to the loud noises that they're making to cheer the poor stooge on and- Loud? That's our secret word for the day! <laughs> Thankfully for the sake of safety standards, the kangaroo doesn't inflict too much damage on the flag grabber who manages to complete the task and sell a piece of his dignity at the same time. Here I am! There you go! You got one more to get! You got 15 seconds to get one more flag, Mike! Come on, buddy! Get it out of here! By the way, if you hear any faint rumbling as we go along here, it's not the sounds of falling rocks here in hell, but rather the sound of series creator Ralph Edwards spinning in his grave over what his beloved game show would devolve into. Let's check in. 
Okay, right now he's spinning fast enough to mimic the sounds of shoes in a clothes dryer. We'll check back in later. Meanwhile, here's what's coming up next. Coming up on Truth or Consequences, our two remaining couples face the next extreme consequence, and someone in our audience is going to get naked, and they don't even know it. One other saving grace I have to give this show the most minuscule of credit for, its announcer. One, Mr. Mark Thompson, who for many decades was the announcer for a number of these Fox fiascos, while at the same time restoring his dignity by being the weatherman at Fox's LA affiliate, and is also currently doing talk radio both in San Francisco and in Los Angeles. The thing I like about Thompson's delivery is that he can pretty much take the most crass of ad copy and deliver it with the utmost seriousness of a book on tape. And I do mean that as a compliment. But a stentorian announcer and an up-and-coming sportscaster host can only make this show so good. Especially since the worst is yet to come. Act 2 begins with two of the surviving couples from the show's opening drowning stunt now being victim to what has since become a reality TV staple. Getting buried with bugs, while trying to guess what kind of bugs their loved one is getting buried with. I can only imagine what both of these couples would say at their respective couples therapy sessions years later. All right, Eric, go. Start asking yes no. or no questions. Is it a spider? No, it's no. Is it brown? Yeah, yes, yes. Does it have long legs? Yes. Is it? Is it a worm? No. Is it um spiders? No. Yeah, yes. I don't know. What. Is it? Does it have legs? Yes. Is it caterpillar? No. Is it a worm? A slug? No. Yes. Is it, is it big? Yes. Is it a roach? Yes. Yes, that's right, roaches. Carrie, now you gotta get The process repeats itself for the second couple. The only difference in their case is a higher octave of screaming. Is it a, a lizard? No. Keep guessing, is hurry. It a... no. Is it gray? No, yes, kind Is it? All right, Why? unfortunately, you're out. Guys, come on out of there. And while their lawyers are currently drawing up the papers for both couples' prenupses and divorces, one thing is bugging me about this show. Aside from the bugs and 99% of all the other things. The show is called Truth or Consequences. I'm definitely seeing a lot of consequences in these few minutes, and that kind of goes without saying. But where exactly is the truth element? On the original show, there are no consequences without first trying to get to the truth. And that's usually done with the host asking a question that nobody will ever get with only three seconds to answer it before Beulah the Buzzer does her thing. Here, they just eliminate that element altogether and go straight to the consequences. Which, again, on the original was often a harmless stunt. Here... Fuck the harm! And for that matter, Beulah the Buzzer. We'd rather see people get tortured just for the fun of it. It would be like if Jigsaw from the Saw movies hosted a game show, yet surprisingly without his charm. Now, Carrie, I saw your face in that box before I unleashed those cockroaches on top of you. You looked scared. Then when they fell, you looked like you wanted to get the hell out of California. <laughs> yeah, I did. I could hear them crawling above me, and I was just, uh, oh, it was the worst. It was one of my biggest fears come to life. Well, guess what? Now you're playing for $50,000. All right, let's hear it for Eric and Carrie. We're going to check in on them and the big stunt coming up in just a bit. But and while the winning couple prepares themselves for a stunt that may lead to a bitter custody battle someday, we're treated to more sacrifices of dignity. 
this time from people on the street, including ladies who look to be in their golden years looking to supplement their social security. All right, I want to give you $250. Yeah. All you have to do is put on a trench coat, take these off and your bra, and flash a crowd. Oh, no, no, no. Not me. And let's check in on the Ralph Edwards grave spinning. He's now spinning at the rate of an average four-cylinder car engine would sound if it were moving at 65 miles an hour and one of its rods were thrown. And at the rate things are going, we expect his bones to burn a hole in his casket and into the underworld by the time this is all said and done. Oh, you should be proud of yourself. People do this all the time in the States. Count to three. Go get him, G. I mean, there might be a very, 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 very small audience fragmentation who might be into granny flashing, but no, just no, even if they did get paid a thousand dollars to do it. Then again, considering this is an on-air TV pilot, who knows whether or not they got paid. And that's not a joke, by the way. On most game shows, unless they actually air the show, you don't get a dime until it does. I hope that flashing was worth it, Granny, because there's a good chance you may have done it for absolutely no reason. As we move on back to the studio audience for Act 3, we then come across yet another physical challenge that, surprisingly, might be the most dignified stunt of the show. Yes, more dignified than potential drowning, getting covered in bugs, elderly strip-teasing, and ripping off flags off a kangaroo. The bar is set that low, folks. You guys each have 30 seconds to last in the ring. If it lasts, you each get 100 bucks. And if Big Nate beats all five of you guys, I'm giving Big Nate 2,000 bucks. All right? And on a show that featured more torture than a chapter out of a book from the Marquis de Sade, somehow this part of the show actually kind of pisses me off a little. Because the prize structure there seems fair, right? I mean, five people go in to wrestle a sumo wrestler for a mere hundred bucks, while the sumo wrestler gets a bigger payday if he knocks out all the lambs to the slaughter. For crying out loud, the sumo is already hired by the show to be the heavy both literally and figuratively in this case. What sense would it make for him to make extra money when clearly it would be a bigger accomplishment for the people who never set foot in a sumo ring before to pull that off? Then again, it is the Fox Network. Nothing can ever be that easy. All right, guys, come on over here. I'm sure you were able to escape Big Nate. Uh, usually not that quick, are they? Uh, I go fast. Uh... I, uh, I had four, four guys uh, before him, so I'm basically uh, catching the fast man. I hear you. Congrats, Abdul. You're the only one to beat Big Nate. To recap, one man just won $100 for taking on a sumo wrestler, while the sumo wrestler lost out on $2,000. And they say there's no such thing as income disparity. <laughs> Please. The frivolity continues with what I will generously call the fun part of the show. Have you ever seen each other naked? Natalie. Pretty much. Natalie. We've all seen each other naked? Natalie. Pretty impressive stuff then, huh? Yeah. 
Well, we want you to share with the world what you guys already know, that you're all beautiful people. We want to see exactly what you're made of, okay? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have you each step into your respective dressing room. I Hold on. I will be calling out articles of clothing. You'll throw it into our laundry basket out here. Anybody that then walks out of that room naked when I say will win $1,000. I mean... They already make it rain with dollar bills at strip clubs and also downstairs in the lust circle. How's doing this in front of a studio audience and TV cameras any different? Fortunately, the show manages to find a way and create humiliation for one of the trio at the same time, as we see two stagehands with buckets of identical clothes that the ladies are wearing sneaking said ladies, who happen to be in on the joke by the way, out of their dressing rooms, leaving only the dude to do the do while the stagehands throw the clothes. All right, good. And finally, the underwear, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take it all off. Oh my God. Come on. Come on, come on. Oh, yes. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Come here, big fella. Come here. And let's check in again with Ralph Edwards' grave and see how fast he's spinning now. Sweet Satan, his bones are spinning so fast they're going the speed of a gas turbine. Uh-oh. Hit the deck, the bones just breached the casket. How did Hi, Mr. Edwards. Let me shake your hand. Nice to meet you. Sorry to see one of your best-loved works desecrated this way. And nowhere is this desecration more obvious than the show's final scene, one that all but confirms that Fear Factor may have been the more superior product after all. We're reunited with a couple that survived the attempted drowning and the Name That Insect Challenge, as they take their relationship to new heights, literally, as they're about to be suspended more than 100 feet in the air for the following reasons. You are gonna climb up this cable ladder all the way up to that freestanding elevator. When you get there, there are yellow pulleys. You're gonna work your way up to the beam on which Carrie is sitting. You are then going to get on over to the beam. She is going to stand up. You're gonna walk over to her. There are three notes that she has. You take one of the notes, you read it, you complete the act, you win $50,000. Sound good? Sound good to me. Carrie, you all set? Yep, I'm all set. Eric, go get her, buddy. Thank you. And while this is going on and drawing itself out for manufactured drama, I'd like to read off a list of things that the Fox Network could have done with the money that they used to make this container of unflushed excrement in the hopes that maybe, just maybe, Fox would eventually become more respected in the eyes of TV viewers in the next few decades. Things like... Expanding their primetime hours to 11 p.m. Launching a late-night talk show with a host that people actually want to see. Fire Joe Buck. Transform their so-called news division into a chain of bed and breakfasts. Let Disney take full editorial control of The Simpsons and Family Guy. Fire Joe Buck. Bring back coverage of hockey with new and improved glow puck technology. Put on actual first-run TV shows on Friday and Saturday nights instead of sports and wrestling. Fire Joe Buck. Wipe out any trace the network ever had of Tim McCarver's existence. Bring back Firefly. Bring back Dark Angel. Bring back Titus. Bring back Fastlane. Bring back the Wilton North Report. Fire Joe Buck. 
shoot Tucker Carlson out of a cannon in the hopes that he lands directly on Sean Hannity. Have Laura Ingram drink a vial of holy water on live TV to see if she would morph into a fire-breathing harpy. Fire Joe Buck. Fire Joe Buck. And, let's not forget, fire Joe Buck. And now, in the words of the great Bob Barker when he made a cameo on Futurama, let's put an end to this pathetic hoedown. Now, Carrie, don't touch him. Just let him grab the note. You can hand it to him, but you can't read it, and he can't tell you what it says. I have to grab one. No, I'll hold it for you. Okay. It's okay. She can hold it. Just don't read him, Carrie. No! Don't push me! <laughs> Money that I'm all but certain is going to go towards either legal fees or future alimony payments. And all for the sake of entertaining an audience of, at the very least, less than a dozen executives in the Fox Network screening room. To say nothing of the nearly 5,000 viewers who, as of press time, came across this show by mistake on Wink Martindale's YouTube page. This is the woman you want to be married to for the rest of your life. You She's got to go over. <laughs> All right, guys, congratulations, and thanks for playing, and thanks for watching Truth or Consequences, where the truth is these guys faced and conquered every consequence. We'll see you next time. Oh, the hell we will. Fire up the circles. I'm ready. Limbo. Lust. Gluttony. Greed. Wrath. Heresy. Violence. Fraud. Treachery. This pilot pretty much exemplifies what the Fox Network was in the early 2000s. No longer the network that dared to be different and bold in the late and early 90s, but a network that's clearly going through the pains of puberty right before our eyes with one show after another that goes out of its way to be crass, crude, and appealing to creatures who burrow through the mud or lower. While other, more deserving shows wind up getting put by the wayside, probably because it's cheaper both monetarily and spiritually to aim for that lowest common denominator. I'm just grateful that this was only a pilot so it could stay in limbo where it belongs. And they rightfully earn their place there thanks to the rampant use of sketchy, sometimes safety-defying stunts that do absolutely nothing to carry on the legacy left by Ralph Edwards. And in spite of the safety protocols being put into place, I still got a market for some minor violence thanks to the attempted drowning stunt and also pushing somebody off a 100-foot-tall scaffolding. Something that's a lot more crass are some of the more risque stunts that the show had. Especially the... <laughs> unerasable visual of granny flashing. Almost as though Fox forgot which demographics it was trying to cater to there. The lust quota here is blatantly obvious. Speaking of which, that stunt where the dude strips but his lady friends don't had to have been planned behind the scenes. How else could stagehands grab a hold of their identical clothing? The original Truth or Consequences never really went that far when it came to treachery, but that was then. This is dumb. Which brings us to the core reason why this show can shove it. The hyperinflated notion that greedy people are willing to do anything for a buck while being humiliated at the same time. That's not what the original show was ever about. Hell, the original show had at least a few heartwarming moments to go around as well, making it the perfect show for families to watch. This show would also be good for families if their last names happen to be Manson, Gambino, or Gotti. But as it stands, not only is this show considered heresy to Ralph Edwards' original vision, but the fact that it went out of its way to try and duplicate the success of another show on another network just goes to show just how much of a fraud this version is. Don't you agree, Bones of Ralph Edwards?
See? He's speechless, too. The 2003 Truth or Consequences pilot earned seven out of nine circles of telehell. It would take Fox a long time to realize that the best way to win over an audience wasn't going to be through shock and ugh, but pretty much do the same things that the other networks did, but with their own flair. And while the network currently seems to be on the right track, the stigma of it being a late bloomer may take years to fully erase. I mean, once you try to get married to a total stranger on live TV, there's really only up to go from there. At the same time, there are some occasions when the Fox network actually tries its best on some things, only for certain outside factors to ruin that show's chances, even if those outside factors happen to be supernatural ones. Next time on Telehell. Ghost! Hello, dear. Where did you get that axe? <laughs> Up in the attic. I'm thinking of going out and chopping some firewood. I've always found that an enjoyable way to kill a little time. Until then. If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. Now that everybody is getting mysterious chemicals injected into their arms, that can only mean one thing. It's almost safe to socialize with people again. So why not get a head start on that and follow us on our social feeds, Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcast. By the way, shows like these aren't cheap. Do what you can and can what you do at patreon.com slash Podcast. Mm-hmm.